from Los Angeles, California, the place where heavy metal dreams go to flourish or perish. You're listening to the Metal Assault Podcast Podcast. with your host, metal expert, Andrew Bonsall. Welcome to episode three of the Metal Salt Podcast 2022. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here with our assistant, Quincy. Uh, Quincy, just say hello to the audience. Hey, everybody. Back for episode three. So in this episode, um, I'm going to talk a lot about the upcoming tour that I'm on, which actually I'll be pretty much getting ready to leave by the time this episode comes out. So in case uh, you missed it earlier or if I haven't mentioned it enough, I'm heading out on tour working merchandise for Exodus on the Bass Strikes Back tour, the second leg, which features Testament as the headliner and Death Angel as the opening act. Um, So this is a tour that I worked the first leg of in April and May of this year, and that was an opportunity that came to me at sort of uh, short notice, uh, generally speaking, uh, because... A lot of these bookings for crew members is done far in advance, usually, especially for tours of this level. But this opportunity came to me a little bit short notice because I found out about it basically like three weeks before that tour started because that first leg was actually rescheduled from the original first leg, which was supposed to happen last year. But because of COVID, it got rescheduled, which um, it worked out well for me because otherwise I might not have been offered it. Um, because somebody else was supposed to do the first leg originally. So anyway, I did that tour, and it was a blast. They liked my work, so they hired me again for the second leg. That tour starts September 9th in Phoenix, Arizona, and it ends October 15th in San Jose, which is uh, obviously the more of the hometown area for all these bands from the Bay, from the Bay Area. The first leg was huge success. It was sold out everywhere we went. It was playing to about basically an average of around 1,200 to 1,500 people every night. Uh, Some shows were smaller and some were bigger, as you can imagine. Some of the bigger shows were Boston at the House of Blues. That was a 2,500 capacity venue. And the Hard Rock in uh, Orlando, Florida was another big one. That was probably the biggest one, which was a 3,000 capacity venue. And then there were a couple of smaller market shows along the way which are always fun because those people don't really get a lot of shows in their towns. People who come up to the merch, they always talk about that stuff, and it's kind of very interesting for me to listen to that and to interact with people um, in all those towns and everywhere we go. I love doing merch, um, especially for bands like that, where I know I'm going to meet a lot of new people. Basically, everybody who comes to these shows, they want to check out the merch, and a lot of them end up buying stuff as... The thrash metal crowd definitely loves its merch, which is pretty clear from the first leg that I did. Um, So I'm looking forward to the second leg big time, and I expect a lot of packed shows again and a lot of sold-out venues, a lot of cool people coming out, and a lot of merch sales. Uh, But the podcast will keep going uh, even when I'm on the road because I plan on doing a lot of interviews with tour mates, as I might have mentioned in previous episodes, so I'll have members of Exodus, Death Angel, Testament, and as well as crew members of all those bands, because the crew guys are also very, very interesting to talk to. Those are people that are, in my opinion, not highlighted enough 
uh, there'll be a lot of that on the next few episodes of the podcast as we go along. So I'll be carrying um, some sort of recording setup with me to get those recordings done and sent over to Quincy, who's going to work her magic and plug everything in. Uh, she'll be our host, uh, basically, while I'm gone. And I'll be uh, joining in from the tour as and when I have the recordings done. Another thing I wanted to mention about the tour is something that's already been announced on the socials. What I did on the first leg of the tour was I donated 20% of my tips that I generated from the merch table to an organization called Feed the Scene, which is a nonprofit based out of Baltimore. Uh, so what Feed the Scene does is, as the name suggests, um, they provide uh, housing and food for touring bands as well as local bands in their area. And they promote shows at certain venues in Baltimore as well. So I experienced that firsthand when I went out on the Old Blood Tour in March of this year. So the Baltimore show of that tour was set up through Feed the Scene. So they promoted a really great show on a Monday night. It was packed, and then they took us to the, to the house where they, where they host the band. It was a really great setup, and then, of course, they cooked food for us and everything, so it was awesome. I definitely wanted to support them directly through uh, the donation. So I did that on the first leg. So for the second leg, I've chosen a different organization because I want to spread the wealth and um, have more people involved uh, within the community. So this organization is called the Roadie Clinic, which is based out of Michigan. I found out about them through a tour mate of mine from the last leg who is based out of Michigan, and he posted about it. So I contacted them to find out more of what they do, and it sounds very very meaningful to me and kind of very relevant and directly related to what I'm going through as a roadie and what the tour life is all about. So the roadie clinic is a, a support system where they really help people who are suffering from whatever challenges come from tour life. So there's a bunch of things on there which you can check out on the roadieclinic.com. So I'll be donating a percentage of my tips from the second leg to the roadie clinic. So I wanted to definitely mention that here so that anybody who's listening, who's coming to these shows on this tour can come up to my merch table and not only score some cool Exodus merch, but also uh, give out some tips, which a percentage of would go towards this amazing cause and this great organization. I'm pretty sure I can get somebody from this organization to also come out on the podcast as a guest at some point. So we'll definitely make that happen soon as well. Check out theroadieclinic.com and come visit me at the Exodus merch table on this upcoming tour. So our guest this week is a very special one. I've had him before on previous versions of this podcast. I have worked for his band on tour across the U.S. many times as a touring merchandiser and as a tour manager. But more than anything, I know him as one of the best drummers going around at the moment. And I don't say that lightly at all. I'm talking about none other than Carlos Cruz from Warbringer. We've always had a lot to talk about when we get on a microphone together. And this interview, which I did yesterday, it was just as fun as it's always been with Carlos. So here it is. Hope you guys dig it. All 
right, so now I'm back here with uh, Carlos Cruz from Warbringer. Obviously, Warbringer is a band that I used to tour with uh, quite a lot, and they're heading back out on tour again, so lots to talk about. Carlos, welcome back on the Metal Assault podcast, man. I mean, you guys, you did this before, so thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. It's always good to be here. Yeah. Fuck shop. Yeah, exactly. So first of all, before anything else, I mean, I know that you had like an injury uh, recently, right? Like for your correct on yourself. So like, how how are you doing now? How was the recovery from that? Uh, it was something that came about kind of surprisingly uh, over the last summer. So it was about a year ago now. So what ended up happening was I started to feel like pain in my. Uh, I thought it was around my bicep area, and then I uh, went to seek it out, you know, with medical attention. So I, you know, I saw my primary doctor, and they were like, "Oh, we'll get an X-ray. We'll see what's going on. We'll get an ultrasound. Make sure there's no blood clots." And from there, it ended up being needing an, an MRI just to see what was going on with nerves and muscles and everything that you couldn't get visually through the other forms of testing. So it turned out that I had a tear in my shoulder. So that was the ultimate so, um, conclusion. So then I was put immediately into physical therapy. And once I started talking with everybody, it was a process of the only way to for sure seal up the tear is surgery and i was like well that option's out for forget about that because it's never certain that that's going to be the answer anyway so through the help of a lot of physical therapy i uh, i stopped drumming completely for about six months i stopped working out for six months not doing anything strenuous with it i uh, even stopped drinking for you know copious amounts of alcohol that i was consuming prior to that so that's a good thing so it all kind of benefited to my overall health mental physical uh, emotional, having to go through that and stop playing drums, you know, and it was all I ever did. Um, you know, a lot of work opportunities I had to turn down because of that, that came about that were outside of Warbringer, but uh, it was ultimately for the best. And uh, that was the process basically from about last September through the new year. So then I slowly started to pick up drums after doing maybe there were like six week sessions of physical therapy. I did one like throughout November, December, and then the other one through about like, like February on. So I just continued to do that. And that translated into me saying, okay, we can green light touring the following fall, which is this coming tour that's about to happen. But this is me saying it last spring. And then the Cavalera opportunity came up out of nowhere. So we were like, wow, this is something that if we pass, we're going to regret it for the rest of our lives. These are our heroes. You know, these are two of the most important records and in, 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 arguably in all of extreme metal and, uh, you know, are hugely influential on us as individuals, as fans, as players, and as a band. So very important. So we couldn't pass it up. So I just got it in gear and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. Everything's going to be fine. And we did it. You know, really short notice. We got everything uh, up and running in a month's time. You know, had to uh, get the transport, the merch, uh, the show together. We hadn't played since the last, uh, the very last show Warbringer did pre-pandemic was the Death Angel Christmas uh, 2019. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a really long there, time since if then. I remember exactly. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You were slanging. Yeah. Right? You were slanging the merch. Yeah. yeah. So that was it. So basically, um, th all throughout the pandemic, I just switched over to more of a studio environment because it was either like one-on-one -on -one or me in a band and it was, you know, controlled environment. So I learned how to use and operate everything needed in a studio to like engineer and produce and mix and do these types of things. So it's, it's been cool. It was uh, good fun. So I'm like more than happy now to return to the stage yeah. once again with the, with the band, you know, after doing that for 10 years straight and then just, you know, turning it off for two years. I bet, man. Yeah. That's like, um, 
it's it's such a difference, you know, between the two things. But you mentioned the Cavalier tour, and I was going to ask you mm-hmm. about that. So yeah. uh, I was pretty much on tour at the same time, but I was seeing all yeah, the Yeah, it was posts. unfortunate. We wanted you on there for sure. But <laughs> your, your tour was just as badass, so that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, I guess it all worked out. But yeah, that's cool that you guys did that tour with the Cavalier Brothers. And like you said, they were playing two albums from the Sepultura discography in their entirety, right? Both albums. Exactly. What well, albums it, were those, by the way? I don't think I remember off the top of my head. Uh, it was Beneath the Remains and Arise. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's definitely... So they, yeah, they did almost uh, all of it in its entirety. They did about a 90-minute set, so it was the front end of Beneath the Remains into Arise, and then they would go into some cover stuff. They did, like, Orgasmatron, and they would hit, like, Troops of Doom and things of that from even earlier. Yeah. Uh, when they did the L.A. show, they even went back and started playing some stuff off of Schizophrenia because they knew how diehard the people in L.A. were about, you know, even older Sepultura. So they yeah. knew what was up. That's awesome. So, yeah. 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 But, I mean, Max and Igor are very down-to-earth, you know, gracious for uh, them taking us on. And their whole camp was fantastic. You know, we got along really great. Their uh, uh, Max's son, his name is also Igor. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his group Healing Magic opened up, and then it was Warbringer, and then the Cavaliers, and then it was just great fun. I mean, the Cavaliers had a damn good lineup uh, with bass player Mike Leon and guitarist uh, Dan from Possessed. Yeah. So they were they were on it. You know what I mean? Like the we all thought, okay, a lot of bands are doing this. We're gonna play your classic albums, you know, in full, and it hasn't you know been done before by that band or by that group. So we were thinking, okay, what's this? How is this gonna be? Because we've seen you know the big four do it or whatever all these bands you know try to relive uh the heyday right but uh, no these guys brought it man these were savage it was so good so i'm glad that they're uh, out there doing it again they'll be doing it uh i think they start at the end of this month as well for like the next leg of it so yeah yeah, yeah if, that sounds killer and, I, I know you'll be gone again so it's yeah. like you don't get to you don't get yeah, to I catch ne- it but i never got to see the la show because i don't think i was here but mm-hmm. yeah that's cool for you guys and um i think like you guys you guys have done a lot of headline stuff over the years, and I've been there for a couple of those. Um, and you've done co-headline stuff, but like a support tour like that is um, like a whole other thing. I'm sure like it helps the band and benefits the band in many ways. You know? Yeah, we felt um, it was just because we ended up getting the first leg of it. We almost got the full thing. Uh, but you know, whatever business reasons, it was cut in half as far as the direct supports go, but we did get the first half of it, which meant, uh, like the Midwest and the East coast. And that was great for us because we're a West coast band. So we know where our strength lies in the West coast and into Texas and stuff like that, but getting to, uh, play to their audience, which is surprisingly a much older audience, a lot of people in, you know, uh, Nashville and, uh, different places of that sort where Warbringer maybe hasn't gone before, uh, especially on our own we were able to play in front of a lot of new people. A lot of people came up to us after saying, I've never heard of you before, but goddamn, I didn't know there was like young bands doing it this well anymore. So that that's a good sign for sure. So that uh, people just don't expect like all the good bands that are getting older and some of them calling it uh, that it's the end of metal or anything like that. Like I'm glad that they're being exposed to the younger generation doing something just as strong. So yeah, it, w- it was really beneficial for us when we go back there. Hopefully a lot of those people come out. Yeah, exactly. And, that's that's the mm-hmm. plan always, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But prior to that, well, as you mentioned, you hadn't played a show since December 2019. And yeah. uh, well, it's been like that for almost everyone uh, because of what's been going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But I guess in your case, it kind of worked out in many ways because you had your injury. So you, you were able to use some of that time to, to recover from that instead of, just canceling because of COVID, you know what I mean? Sure. 
Yeah, fully. Yeah, we were trying to do stuff earlier. This tour, this actual uh, tour with Heathen that we're going to embark on at the uh, next week, um, we tried to do it earlier at the beginning of the year, and that's when I found out about my injury, so we had to reschedule it. But this was something that was, you know, in the books for when the latest record, uh, Weapons of Tomorrow, came out in 2020. It was yeah. like, cool, we'll do some stuff uh, with our friends, we'll do some support stuff here, and then we'll go back on a headliner and try to link up. So everything just, you know, kept getting canceled, rescheduled, so... Uh, now it's the right time. You know what I mean? Things are opening up. A lot of people are excited and uh, showing up to these shows, you know, in mass. So it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned Weapons of Tomorrow, and I was going to bring that up too, because yes, it came out April 2020, which I remember. And we all had big plans for 2020, and then they all right. suddenly collapsed, like all down the dumpster, right? But was there ever any consideration from you guys or from your label to push the release back or? Is, was that or always a plan to release it like April 2020 and they stuck with it? You know, initially it was supposed to be released a lot earlier than that. But what ended up happening was once. So like the full scale story is that uh, spring 2019, we were finishing up all the pre-production and had booked like I want to say June of 2019 to go into the studio to record. But that's when I got the offer to join Power Trip and help them out with their summer tour. So I ended up pushing the, the studio back to July and then taking on the summer tour. So I remember getting home like on a Friday around 4th of July weekend. And on Monday, we were going into the studio right away to do the uh, Warbringer record. So it was good for me because I was like already conditioned from the road. So playing was a lot of fun, but there was no like preparation time for me. So a lot of it was like improv, uh, which is cool, too, because it was just like some of it was like one take. And if it came out great, hey, that was that just happens to be like, you know, the, the magic that was uh, in the air at the time when we were tracking everything. And then it should have been out fall. Like, remember the Enforcer tour we did, that yes. really long one, that 58 a day, no whatever, month, yeah. that juggernaut. Yeah, it was supposed to be out in time for that. But ultimately, John and I and our manager, we just kind of went back and forth and we realized that the mix for the album wasn't up to par with the one before it, the uh, Woe to the Vanquished album. Even yeah. though it was the same team, something about it wasn't right. So we, we like put it on hold the first time and then sent it out to Zach Oren, uh, who I'd worked with on the latest Machine Head stuff I did, worked with on the uh, uh, an Ex Mortis record that I'm on from like 2018. And then he, he actually mixed the band's second album, Waking Into Nightmares. So he's already been involved with the scene and myself, etc. So we just sent it off to him. We were like, cool, let's get a fresh perspective. Uh, let's not get too close to it and let's see what happens. And then what he sent back was what the world knows now. So it was definitely for the better. So that delayed the release uh, easily, um, you know, up until the new year. And then by the time the whole setup uh, was done proper, it was already April. So, yeah, we didn't want to delay it further. We knew regardless of what was going to happen, that people needed something to, like latch on to during you know, hard times or whatever. Yeah. And um, it worked out for the best. You know, a lot of people gravitated towards that record. A lot of our fans feel it's one of our strongest, which is great. Um, a lot of people reviewed it really well, you know, Metal Archives, uh, whatever it may be. It's, you know, it's doing really well. So uh, I feel we're on to a pretty good style with the last two Warbringer records. So we hope to progress into, uh, you know, the uh, the third of this kind of sound and style that we've, yeah. built since uh since i kind of came back into the band 2015 so yeah it was all you know the right move at the right time and then here we are just kind of rebuilding where we left off yeah so like you're about to complete the trilogy soon 
Literally, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it kind of, well, we could call it that because we did sign for three albums with Napalm Records. Yeah. So this will, the, the next one will be the third one. So that's kind of how we feel about it, ultimately, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And I think the other thing with, uh, like, the kind of break that you guys took uh, resulting from your injury and, and other factors is that you had said at the time that the band will use that time to write another record. So mm -hmm. has that happened or what, what's happening with the next record at this point? Uh, there's a lot of riffs. Yeah. A lot of riffs all over the place. And the cool thing is that um, like everybody's getting involved. The last two albums were very much uh, me taking like maybe some Adam demos and some John ideas and then just kind of doing what I do and just uh, completing all of the pre-production. So I would use MIDI drums and I would, uh, you know, just use plugins for the guitar sound and the bass sound. And I would track John's, you know, vocals to get an idea. So we uh, really developed both of those albums like, maybe 90% uh, before we even went in to record them, like full production. So this time around, yeah, if I just like, if we're hanging out and I just set up a microphone in front of Adam's amp and he's just playing, I, I always have him like recording just because he's just always playing. And if he's noodling, he might just come up with something that's great. So there's a long catalog of like Adam Carroll riffs. And then I'm getting stuff in from uh, both of the chases and, um, uh, yeah, I think I'm the one that's lacking because I'm doing so much other stuff. But yeah. in terms of that, no, John is already like six, seven songs uh, mentally with lyrics and themes and titles and all that in his mind, like sharp. So it's it's cool. So it's 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 pretty unique because sometimes with John, he'll have a, a vocal uh, pattern or already lyrics already set to a cadence and a phrase. And there's been songs like Firepower Kills or on the previous record Silhouettes where uh, we write the music under the vocal. So the vocal came first. Instead of me writing music and just putting something on top of it, we wrote under it. So that was a weird dynamic, but it worked out. And um, so there's a lot of that happening because it helps kind of fine-tune the vision of like, this is this song, this is the theme, what what is the music going to do to kind of encapsulate that and really give it its home Um in terms of like the kind of music we want to write is it going to be a groove song is it a you know a, a darker song so you know we 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 dive into the extreme metal you know black metal death metal progressive elements melodic stuff especially on these last two so there's a lot of that happening too where a lot of our influences are just kind of blending in you know it's no longer just like a pure thrash band i don't think it has been for a very long time but it'll, i guess that'll always be the core of yeah. the sound yeah totally um that's something to look forward to for sure so that's cool to hear um, but also on that note, like you are, you are heading out on tour next week. Well, this, so you started yeah. your own headline tour, and I think the difference this time from the previous couple of headline tours or co-headline tours is that you're kind of bringing a more thrash-oriented package, like with um, Heathen and and Misfire. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, something maybe like a little different or something more for the thrash fans to look forward to, right? So is that kind of like the biggest change in terms of what you're bringing or what people can expect, you know? Uh, for this tour, yes. Basically, we knew we wanted uh, to go out head as a headliner. And a lot of the times when you think of, okay, we want a headline and what are the bands that we're into these days? Like, what are we listening to? What are we fans of? Who's happening? Who's out there touring and working already? So usually you have like your A dream list of like the bands you want to take out, but you never really get that. You usually end up with like, you know, Z, you know, like everything in between. Everybody's busy or, or schedules don't line up or they're not available, not interested, whatever it may be. You never know. But uh, ultimately we knew... Once we whittled it down to uh, ourselves and 
Heathen, uh, which was great because we had been in talks for a really long time about doing stuff like that just to keep the, uh, like you said, the, the, the thrash thing uh, pretty well intact. And we, you know, we're fans of them. They're fans of ours. And um, we just thought that it was going to be a, a really strong headliner should they agree to be the direct support act. So basically that's how that came to be. And we thought that that was a strong way to like represent ourselves as a headliner coming back out from not, you know, being so inactive um, for so long. And then there were a few different groups. It was ultimately, we were aiming at a four band package. uh, But again, just a lot of bands, you know, things come up, uh, schedules don't work out. uh, People might agree at first. And then once things started getting serious and on, you know, paper, then uh, unfortunately they can't make it or what have you. Um, so when we were on the Cavalera tour, we played Joliet and our, our friends. Basically, Misfire um, had two original members from the band Diamond Plate from Chicago. So we've been, you know, the, Diamond Plate was the opening act on our very first headliner in 2011. So, I mean, we go way back. So every time we're in Chicago or Joliet, uh, James and the boys always come out and hang out or they're working the venue. You know what I mean? They do lights, they do... Um, you know, the stage management and stuff like that. So but we're longtime friends. And then once they got signed and put out a record, um, we, we felt it was, it was badass and they were interested and available. So we just kind of uh, took them on and made it uh, like just like a full cutthroat thrash package. It's, it's cool. We know future tense. We may do a lot more variety. I've been seeing that a lot with different shows I've been attending. Uh, may, I don't know how far we can push it. You know, I see some of the bands that'll have like, you know, like a, some sort of synth band be the first band and like an alternative band and then a hardcore band and then a death metal band. And I'm like, okay, that's you're, you're, I get it. You're opening the gate to, so all are welcome and you're going to play to a bunch of different types of people. And, you know, you have a variety of fans there at your show, but you know, home base for us, I think we're, you know, playing to our core audience this time and uh, they get, you know, a great night of just everything that they want out of us and heathen and misfire. So it'll be cool. Yeah, and you mentioned Misfire. Actually, I was at the show that you guys did at the Key Club on that tour in 2011, and uh, I saw uh, those guys at the Forge because that's where they work in Joliet. There you go. Like, cool. I think they worked the show that you guys did when I toured with you last mm-hmm. uh, UN Enforcer in 2019. Oh yeah, then definitely. And, yeah, they and were there. Exodus had Oh Testament, Exodus, Death Angel. We had two sold out shows there on this last Sick. tour. So yeah, I saw those guys again. So they were like, oh cool. yeah, we yeah, have a new band now called Misfire. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Fully. Yeah. So I'm just glad that they're, you know, back at it and working again and producing new music. It's always great. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, Cause yeah, like from that headliner tour from 2011, unfortunately, like out of the whole package, the, none of the other bands exist anymore. Yeah, just, you know, that's right. So, it was what Lazarus just, AD was it? That's it. Yeah, I remember they had that Black Rivers album yeah. that was fucking super heavy, Pantera vibes, and yeah. then uh, Landmine Marathon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. More of that hardcore stuff happening. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 great to see that some people, you know, life happens. You know, yeah. and you have to you know live accordingly. Sure, I I completely understand that. So it's great to see people pick it up again and get it to a level where you know you can get signed and release a record that's going to have some you know backing behind it, some distro behind it, and. It's just, you know, helping friends out. Yeah, that's cool. So um, we talked enough Warbringer stuff, and you mentioned a couple of times that you've also been busy with other stuff. So I want to get into that a little bit here, you know, like, so what else have you been up to in, in the, especially the last couple of years? And, you know, what can you tell people? 
Uh, so basically during lockdown, quote unquote, I just uh, lived in the studio and learned how to use it to like the fullest extent. So for the fun of that, I just uh, I started a solo project, kind of like a black and roll thing, uh, midnight, if you will, you know, just uh, Venom, Motorhead worship. Uh, I called it Necro Sound. So it was just a one man project, but I just did that for fun. Ultimately, like, cool, here's a drum set. Let me put mics on it. Let me make sure I get sound in the other room. And I'm just going to run back and forth and learn how to do this. Um, so that was that project. And I did that maybe like all of 2020. And then from that, my friends started to ask, Hey man, uh, we've heard you've just been recording. Like, can you record us? So that kind of snowballed into me working with different bands, uh, all local. And, uh, one thing led to another. So it, it led from like producing groups to like engineering things. Um, to it got to a point where, you know, Fueled by Fire decided to release new music and they weren't really content with the mixes they were getting for their newest release. So they reached out to me because they heard I'd been working in, in uh, like audio production and we did that. We collaborated and I mixed their newest uh, Past, Present, No Future EP, which is four songs that uh, M Theory Audio released recently. And yeah, so it, that kind of snowballed into stuff like that. Um, so more recently, I just did uh, a newer band from L.A. called Early Moods. So more of like a doom uh, heavy metal uh, group. And, you know, if you're fans of like Witchfinder General and Trouble and Sabbath, then this is like where it's going to be. So, yeah, we spent, oh, man, about three months in the studio. Not, not you know, straight three months, but over the course of three months, we did about eight, eight songs. Uh, that was hell of fun. So we brought them in. And re I like I, I like to dive in. I really like the creative process. So I, you know, I would listen to their songs, their demos that they gave us, and from there it was like, cool. Let's listen. Well, what about the song arrangement? How can we make that better? Oh, listen to this drum beat. How can we change it in order to make it smoother or hit harder? Uh, this bass line, it's cool, but maybe we should do this. It'll be more Maiden esque or whatever. These guitar harmonies. Let's go for more of a Thin Lizzy thing. Uh, vocals, vocal harmonies, things like that. So it was really cool to work with these guys and. You know, they, they had a, a demo out prior that was getting some buzz. And then now uh, they're signed to Easy Rider Records and, uh, you know, just played Psycho Las Vegas. And they've got some, you know, cooler tours coming up within that scene. And, yeah, things are happening. So uh, things like that basically just locked away in the studio and it translated. Um, so that's more of the production end. And then uh, I would always be hired to play on other people's records as well, which was cool. During the time I was injured, unfortunately, Machine Head reached out again for their new record that just came out. But at the time, I wasn't in any shape. Uh, you were to not go playing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, that was a missed opportunity. But, uh, you know, I wish them well. I'm glad that they're doing all right and doing their thing. Uh, but in terms of, like, other groups, uh, you know, Ohm released some new stuff. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we signed to M Theory Audio as well. So that's myself, Chris Poland, and Robbie Pagg. Um, so we're working on a new record. And then the Magic Ritual guys... Uh, also just released a, a six song EP and a couple of music videos for it. So they want to do another full length record. So everybody like but ultimately people will just want to make records and release new music, even if, you know, touring the world isn't on the agenda. That's fine with me. I'm all about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff there for sure. Thanks. Um, so basically like you now Warbringer is touring like or trying to get back into touring as much as you guys mm -hmm. used to before but in the off sure. time you can do this stuff too exactly yeah i yeah. always found that i wanted a balance of um like the various things that music have to offer and i can see that being a hell of a lot more comfortable and hell of a lot more like healthy you know i see a lot of bands that just you know well we'll tour you know nine ten months out of the year and sooner or later that won't last right you know you just get burnt out and it's counterproductive you know instead of keeping the group intact and excited everybody's like well i'm gonna quit now 
you know, just because they don't want to, you know, that, and that's ultimately what happened with Warbringer, you know, around the fourth album, uh, because it had been nonstop since they got signed and released the first one. So uh, you, you learn these things the hard way, right? But yeah, I, I see it every, every opportunity I can that's uh, good for me to go out there on the road. Fantastic. Uh, but if I come home, then it's just back into the creative process or working with different groups, artists, seeing what else uh, music has to offer. Awesome, man. Yeah, that sounds cool. So uh, I think that's pretty much all I had for this interview. Um, thanks again for your time. Always good chatting with you. And yeah, I mean, have, have fun on the tour. Uh, of course, yeah, I'll not be man. there, unfortunately, because no, I'll be with right. Exodus. But, you know. No, I'll definitely catch you uh, on the Bay Area tour. Definitely either Ventura or L.A. I'll make one of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ventura that's right. might be more low-key than L.A. I know yeah. it gets crazy in L.A., so I might do the Ventura one for the awesome. sake of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll hope to see you there. Stop by the Exodus merch booth for sure. Hell yeah, you know it. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Um, this is Carlos Cruz from Warbringer and various other things. Check out Warbringer on tour. Check out their latest record and all that good stuff. So that was my interview with Carlos from Warbringer. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Make sure to check out Warbringer on tour and follow Carlos and Warbringer on the socials for all the updates from their world. And now it's time for us to move on to the next segment. Okay, so now it's time for my favorite segment of the podcast. This is the music recommendation of the week. I love nothing more than talking about the music that I've listened to and that I want people to listen to. So for this week, I want to recommend a Swiss artist based out of uh, Eastern U.S. called Zeal and Ardor. So this is a, another artist, artist that's been blowing up uh, in recent years, and some people might be already familiar with it. And as you can sense from the pattern that has been established so far, this is another artist that's really pushing the boundaries of various genres being melded together into what they've come up with. They've released three studio albums so far. The latest one came out this year, and it's self-titled, called Zeal and Order. I'll just spell that real quick, just for anybody who's uh, not sure. It's Z-E-A-L and Order, A-R-D-O-R. So that's the artist. Um, I discovered this artist uh, with the debut album that came out in 2017 called Devil is Fine, and this is a very unique artist because it started out as kind of like an internet dare where somebody dared him to start this project where he would blend black metal with um, African-American blues music. And not only that, but the lyrical theme and the storyline that he came up with is so mind-blowing. That's what makes it special and outstanding, I think. The theme of this artist or of the music in general is that what if the African-American slaves turned to, turned to Satan instead of turning to God? So that's the whole concept of this artist, and that's what the lyrics are all about, which, as the debut album's name suggests, Devil is Fine. Uh, that's the storyline that's been uh, consistent throughout the, all these three albums. Um, as soon as I heard the debut album, I was absolutely blown away and I've been following this artist very closely. I saw the band live a couple of times um, out here in LA when they played their very first shows live. The debut album was followed by another great album in 2018 called Stranger Fruit and then um, as I mentioned earlier this year came the self-titled album. I think the self-titled album is 
a lot heavier and maybe a little bit more industrial in terms of the, the sonic aspect of it as compared to a little more of the bluesier side of things on the first couple of albums. But it still maintains the essence of what this artist is all about. And it still is very unique and, and uh, shocking in many ways and very exciting to anybody who's listening for the first time. So definitely check out Zeal and Ardor, the self-titled album, as well as the first two albums that he released. So that's it for the music recommendation of the week. And for the last segment of this episode, I'm going to go with the industry tip of the week. I talked about the importance of touring in episode one and the importance of avoiding self-criticism when talking to the public at shows in episode two. And in this episode, since I mentioned uh, a lot about the Exodus tour and the Bass Strikes Back tour, which I'll be on, this is all about merch and the importance of that. Um, So this is something, again, that some bands do well and some don't, from what I've noticed, especially bands that are upcoming or new or uh, local in that sense, or, or underground, uh, relatively speaking, to the bigger bands. It doesn't matter whether you're a new band or a local band or underground. I think the same principle should still apply. And if you apply that from day one, I think you can still like succeed to a large extent in the merge game. So the merge game is key because um, most of the time, that's like really your only source of income as a band, playing shows because it's very difficult to get paid out anything from the shows because it all depends on how many people attended and what the venue wants to charge you and all that other stuff. But the merch game is something you can control and you can retain all of your own. It's very important to pay attention to what other bands are doing in your genre and try to see what is working well for them. Try to take examples from bigger bands follow their social media and see their web stores and uh, see what they're selling. I think uh, obviously good designs are important because art is still uh, important. Art is still relevant and it still matters. When people see good art, they want to own it. They want to own a t-shirt with a good design. Even if they've never heard your band, a lot of times people would want to buy the shirt if it's cool enough. So that's uh, the first thing. Secondly, uh, uh, because every genre is different and every subgenre of metal is different because like a thrash metal uh, band has merch that could be different from a sonar metal band, for example. So there's things like that that you as a band should be aware of as to like what's relevant to your demographic and what type of merch you should carry. There's basic stuff that everybody has, but there's other specific stuff that only pertains to your your subgenre of whatever style of music you're pursuing. So I think that's all uh, very, very important. People in bands probably don't spend enough time in that, and they should, because that's where, as I said earlier, that's where the money is in terms of uh, merch sales. Aside from the sales and the money aspect of it, the other big picture uh, aspect of it to me is that when somebody buys your merch at a show, they're definitely your fan uh, from that point on, if they were not before. Especially if they're buying a shirt, they're going to wear it. That's free ads for your band. That's free advertising. It's like a walking billboard. So that's one thing. And the second thing is, like, if that person has bought your merch, then it's more likely that they will come back to see you next time you're in their part of town or the next time you release any new merch. Always looking at the bigger picture is key that goes a long way in kind of sustaining your success as a band and your commercial value 
and just your financial profit. Because the more fans you have like that that are returning every time, the more you can, the more product you can make, and the more money you can make. I think that's something that every everybody should be thinking about while designing merch and while um, setting up your merch. That's what I wanted to say this week because I've had a lot of experience selling merch firsthand. As uh, obviously I mentioned earlier with. Uh, Bands like Exodus and other bands that I've toured with, and also like with my own um, bands on the label, etc. It's something that I take a lot of pride in, and I think every band should do the same as well. So that's uh, the industry tip of the week. I hope you guys uh, get some use out of that and apply it to your bands. So that'll be it for this episode of the Metal Assault Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back with lots more and a lot of content from the road. So stay tuned for that, and cheers. You've been listening to the Metal Assault Podcast. Hit up the website, metalassault.com, or check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Metal Assault LA. Instagram at Metal Assault. Thanks for listening to the Metal Assault Podcast.